Ready or not? Blank. Fill in the blank. Ready or not? Ready or not? I can't hear you. Ready or not? One more time. Ready or not? That's the message today. Ready or not? Jesus is coming. And you know, speaking of ready or not, our soldiers have to be ready. They have to be ready and willing at any minute's notice to fight and to be willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice, namely for our freedom and for our liberty. Tomorrow, we will commemorate and celebrate the lives that have gone on before us. Tell me, what kind of legacy are you going to leave behind? The Apostle Paul wrote in the second epistle to Timothy, he said there's some things worth fighting for. How many of y'all believe there's some things worth fighting for? I said, how many believe that there's some things worth fighting for? Oh, yes. And you, by the way, your testimony is worth fighting for. Do you believe that? I said, your testimony is worth fighting for. Do you believe that? I can't hear you. I said, your testimony is worth fighting for. If you don't believe that, you just let your testimony be wrecked and you'll see how far it'll get you in the Christian life. Your testimony is worth fighting for. And your family's worth fighting for. Do y'all believe that? This means yes. This means no. Do you believe that? Your family's worth fighting for. Your ministry's worth fighting for. And the country's worth fighting for, Brother Curtis. And thank God our legacy is worth fighting for. Yeah, there's some things we're fighting for. How are you going to be remembered when you're gone? What are people going to say about you when you check out of this old life? Don't you want to leave a lasting legacy? How many of y'all want to leave a lasting legacy? Come on, you want to leave a lasting legacy. I want to leave a lasting legacy. Well, what we do now determines how our legacy will turn out. We're talking today on the subject, ready or not, Jesus is coming. And here's what I want you to think about as we launch into the message today. One, are you ready for the Lord to call you home? I said, are you ready for the Lord to call you home? Have you thought about that lately? And then, what kind of plans should we make now before the Lord calls us home? How should we prepare? Are we in basic training right now? The answer to all the above is yes. We're going today in the book, guess where? Revelation. Take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 4. And those listening, I'm encourage you to take your Bibles as well. Take the book, the blessed book. Hey, for the last three Sundays, we've been discussing and the Lord's been leading us in our study in Revelation chapter 19 a few weeks ago, chapter 13 just two weeks ago, chapter 2 and 3 just last week. And today the Lord led me back to Revelation chapter 4. Here's where we're going today in the message. There are three heart-searching, thought-provoking questions. Three heart-searching, thought-provoking questions that I think you need to answer and I need to answer today. And they're found in the book of Revelation chapter 4. One is this. Are you ready for the Lord to call you? We'll see that in Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Number 2, not only are you ready, but number 2, are we right now in 
on-the-job training, basic training, preparing for the hereafter. We'll see that in chapter 4, verses 2 through verses 8. And then finally, number 3. How can you and I prepare here and now for the hereafter? Revelation chapter 4. Three thought-provoking, heart-searching questions. If you'd like to stand as we read the Word of God, feel free to right now. We're now in Revelation 4. Those maybe joining us for the first time uh, understand in a historical contextual perspective John is writing well up in age at this time and he is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, exiled on the Isle of Patmos, of course, a small island off the coast of Turkey, and he sees not only the past, but he sees the present and he sees the future. We can outline the book of Revelation again in chapter 1, verse 19. Write the things you've seen, write the things that are, and write the things that shall be hereafter. Now in chapter 4, you need to know that here are the things hereafter. We're not right now in this present time. However, I think the Lord's got a word for us today. These three thought-provoking and heart-searching questions are and will you be ready when the Lord calls you? Revelation chapter 4 began in verse number 1. After this, say that with me. After this, say that with me. After this, very important, we'll come back to it. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit. Father, again, we bless you today. We love you because of your love for us. And we pray, dear Lord, that your word will grip our hearts, that you'll give us a mind to think about what you're saying. Keep us from distraction. Keep the enemy away. The blood of the Lamb of God on our mind, our will, our emotions, our body, soul, and spirit upon your church and upon every listener. Dear God, I know you want to speak to us. I know that, Father, you want to encourage us. I know that, Lord, you want to change us. And we pray now, have your will and way, and we'll give you glory for it because, Jesus, you are alone going to be praised and worshiped throughout all eternity and we just want to do that right now in your precious sweet name the name above every other name the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth amen and amen you may be seated here's where we're going in the text today three questions heart provoking thought provoking and heart searching questions number one will you be ready when Jesus calls you secondly are we in basic training right now? And thirdly, how do we prepare here and now for the hereafter? Again, I want to draw your attention to Revelation chapter number 4. And then as we begin our study together today, the message, number one, will you be ready when Jesus calls you? Will you be ready when Jesus calls you? How many of y'all remember growing up, uh, I do, in the 70s and <laughs> 
beyond. Anybody remember them days? I remember, speaking of calling, I remember we used to ride on bicycles and play ball during the day from sunup to sundown. We were wandering in the neighborhood and just doing things. Uh, you know, children did those kind of things back in those days. And I can remember uh, at supper time, we would get a call to come home. We'd be right down the road or in the woods playing or something, and we'd get a call. Randy, time to eat. Randy, time to eat. Now, if I didn't respond to the first call, my dad would go, I mean, a loud whistle. How many know that meant come home now if you weren't home already? Come home. I want to tell you, John is saying here, after this, after this, why do we need to be ready? Because Jesus is standing at the door. The book of James describes in chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, James, a half-brother of our Lord, he said, Behold, the judge stands at the door, and the truth be known, none of us know when our time will come. I said, none of us know when the Lord's going to call us home. Are you ready? Are you ready? Will you be ready when Jesus calls you? Will you be ready? And if you're not ready, I hope you'll get ready. And if you are ready, I hope you'll stay ready. Well, speaking of being ready and standing at the door, notice what John wrote. Let's take it and break it apart. This word, after this, after this, say that again with me. After this, one more time. Does the word we're told by Greek scholars, metatota, metatota. Why is this important? Because after this means chronologically and historically speaking, it comes after what? Chapter 3 and chapter 2. That's very interesting and very significant, beloved. Why? Because what's in chapter 2 and 3? We studied it last week. Chapter 2 and 3 is a letter from John and really from God, the Father to God the Son, to the angel and God the Holy Spirit to John, chapter 2 and 3 discusses what? Seven churches, literal churches during John's day, and significant and in a picturesque of churches today. But after the church age, I think this is significant, John uses this phrase, the Holy Spirit, after this, metatauta, Chapter 3 closes the church age. Now, I'm not saying this is the rapture, but I'm saying this according to many and me included. It's a picture of the rapture. Why? Because if you believe in the rapture, this is what's going to take place. After the Lord comes. And by the way, it is, is it not significant that it's after the church age? Once when the Lord gets ready to step out on the clouds of glory, he's going to step out on the clouds of glory. After this, John said, I looked. And behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, notice this, as it were. Say that with me. As it were. Say it again. As it were. We're told that's used 52 times in the book of Revelation. It means literally, as it should be. As it were. So John says, I see a door opening in heaven. Can you see the door opening right now? I said, is the Lord opening the door, ready to call you home now? Is the Lord fixing to say, come on home to you, whether it be in death or whether it be in the rapture? We need to be ready. And he's standing at the door. He said, as it were, of a trumpet talking to me. Now, how many know a trumpet don't talk? You know that? 
What is this called? It's called apocalyptic literature. Why? Because, listen, apocalyptic literature is literature in the Bible that uses symbols to convey truth. Well, how do you interpret apocalyptic literature? You've got to have the right, proper interpretation of the Bible or else we get out of bounds when we start trying to teach or preach or understand and interpret the Bible. Apocalyptic literature, symbols, keep in mind, that convey truth. The key to interpreting them, do you know what it is? I say, do you know what it is? I say, do you know what it is? I say, when you come to the Bible, how would you interpret this? Apocalyptic literature is interpreted by what? Other scripture. The Word of God is the best commentary of the Word of God. And you see, simply put, the trumpet, all of a sudden you're flashback in your mind when Paul referenced this term, a trumpet. When did he use it? He used it in 1 Thessalonians 4. Remember when he said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, chapter 4, verse 13. Uh, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, writing to the church of Thessalonica, uh, to them that are asleep. The word sleep there means cemetery. Body goes back to the dust. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Say it with me. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And you see, the Lord, the Bible teaches the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel. And what? The trump of God. What event is that? That's the rapture. That's the great getting up morning. That's the phrase, uh, the trump of God will sound, and then the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up. There it is, harpazo, rapio. Caught up means snatched by force. There is the event. Note, it's in regards to a trumpet sounding. Now, if you flash and you go back a little further, you can find in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul used the same terminology. He said in regards to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, he said, behold, I show you a mystery. Chapter 15, verses 51, 52, and following. I show you a mystery. The word mystery there is the word mysterion. Uh, we should not all sleep, speaking of death and dying, but we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in the moment. That's the word we get our word, Adam. In the moment, in the twinkling. GE is calculated to that. A twinkling, and one Greek scholar has uh, defined that as a speed of 11 hundredths of a second. Uh, A.T. Robinson, the great Greek scholar, said it's like the buzz of a gnat swing. In the twinkling of an eye, faster than you can bat an eye, the Lord will come back. How many of y'all believe he's coming back? Ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, here I come. And so Paul said, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. There it is again, the same reference to trump. You see that? Two places in the Bible it's used. Obviously, the conclusion is this is a picture of that event that Paul referred to and John's referring to, the rapture of the church, case made. Now, anyway, so... What are, you, are you ready? Are you ready? That's really the ultimate question. Are you ready for the Lord to call you home? I remember one of our men, dear precious man, went to be with the Lord about a year ago. How many of y'all remember Tommy Keenum? You remember Tommy? I remember Tommy. Tommy was a precious man, a faithful man. He was a faithful deacon at the church he uh, served in prior to coming here. Tommy was up in age, about 80. No brother Tommy would tell me when I had the privilege of going to preach revivals uh, before I left on Sunday night or Sunday morning, Tommy would come up to me and say, Preacher, I'm praying for you. I'd say, Thanks, brother Tommy. I need it, man. I need it. And when I'd come back, he'd say this, Preacher, I prayed for you. I'd say, Thanks, brother Tommy. 
And little did we know, a little over a year ago, uh, that Tommy would come to our Sunday night, hear me now, Sunday night service, we'd go down to the nursing home down in Monticello, Georgia, and minister to those uh, ladies and men who were in the nursing home, sharing the Word of God, singing about Jesus right before Christmas time. We took the bus, you remember, and rode down there. Do you remember? How many of y'all remember that? All right, good. And you see what we did is we, 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 we wanted to be a blessing. How many believe that when we're a blessing, God blesses us in return? Ah, oh, I need somebody to help me. I said when we're a blessing, God blesses us in return. And that's what our goal is. That's what our passion is. That's what our calling is. But wait a minute. Let me finish the story. So little I know that'd be the last time Tommy Keenum would get a chance to come and assemble with believers at New Rocky Creek Baptist Church. In fact, if y'all remember, we went over to Dairy Queen. You got to go to Dairy Queen after you go to the nursing home or after you minister. Man, I mean, we had a great time. The Lord put it in my heart that very night, just before Christmas, a little over a year ago, to pray for Brother Tommy. Why? I didn't know. But if those of you were here, you remember, we gathered around Brother Tommy, asked the Lord's blessings on him. Keep in mind, he's up in, about, he's in his 80s at the time. And we prayed for him. Little did anybody know, about two weeks later, he'd end up in the Macon Medical Center, the Coliseum Hospital in Macon, Georgia, and that would be the very last time he'd come to church. That very night. It was not very long after that, just a few weeks that I visited with Brother Tommy. He was in the nursing home and eventually uh, was put on hospice care and right before Brother Tommy went to be with the Lord. Are you ready for the coming of the Lord and God calling you home? Brother Tommy was a humorous man. Brother Tommy told me this. He said, Preacher, he said, uh, when I was young, I was, misty I was just kind of, you know, uh, uh, I was a jokester. That's how he put it. I said, what do you mean, Brother Tommy? He said, man, one time I caught a great big black snake. I caught a great, man, this snake was huge. Great big black snake. He said, I put it in the mailbox of our home. I said, okay, what happened then? He said, the mail carrier came up to the mailbox, opened the mailbox, and out came that black snake. He said, that mail carrier was so startled, he took off, and he ran in the ditch and wrecked his carrier. And Tommy was laughing the whole time while he was telling me this. I said, well, what happened then, Tommy? And Tommy said, I got kicked off the bus. I said, well, then what happened? He said, I'm not going to tell you what happened after that, all right? I'm talking about being ready for the coming of the Lord. Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? I want to tell you something. Y'all see if you agree with me. Look up here just a moment. Everybody look up here. Would you agree with me? Those listening, look up here. Would you agree with me? I don't think I can ever recall a time in our nation's history when we've been so divided. I believe and some suggest we could be on the brink of a civil war. Do you hear me? We could be on the brink of a civil war. I heard a report just last week. Don't think it can't happen. Hello. We didn't think the coronavirus could happen either. Don't think it can't happen. Anyway, I'm not being alarmist and extremist. I'm just saying it's a late day. I'm saying this. The Lord could come back any moment. And the Lord Jesus even described in Matthew 24 in regards to not the rapture but a second coming after the seven years of tribulation, wars and rumors of wars would be indicative and picturesque of signs before he will return in his second coming along with pestilences and that word means infectious diseases. All I'm saying is this, are you ready? Will you be ready when the Lord calls your name? If not, I hope you'll be ready in just a few moments. Don't put it off because there's a second 
thought-provoking and uh, heart-searching question in our text today, and it's this. It's not only, uh, as the Lord said, come up hither, and of course that's the picture of the snatching away, a door opening in heaven, the trumpet sounding, and John being raptured. I don't know how any other way you can interpret that, although there's some other ways that are very liberal, I might add. But anyway, if you take the Bible literally, historically, grammatically as it's written, this is the conclusion you will derive as I do. And at any rate, uh, and I will show thee things which must come hereafter. He's talking about the unfolding from chapter 4 to chapter 5 to chapter 6 to all the way to chapter 22. And that's what's to come hereafter, namely the seven years of tribulation, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials, namely uh, the battle of Armageddon where the blood is said to flow at the height of the horse's bridle, namely when Ezekiel 38, 39, this war of Gog and Magog that leads up to the battle of battles, which is the battle of Armageddon, and namely when Satan will be bound after the second coming of our Lord and when he ushers in his kingdom and then the new heaven and the new earth. <laughs> Wait a minute. I want to tell he said, I was immediately in the spirit. Number two, are we in basic training right now? How many of y'all believe we're in basic training right now? You believe that? We are in basic training right now. And I, as I thought and prayed, I, three parts of what I want to share. Zero in in verse two again. We're going to read through verse eight. Zero in in verse two again. On the throne, around the throne, and before the throne. Now, look again in verse number uh, 1 and verse, check out verse 2. And immediately, chapter two, 4, verse 2, immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven. Here John all of a sudden is caught up. What does he see? Have you ever thought about what heaven's going to be like? Is there anybody here that ever thinks about heaven? Anybody? I mean, how many of you got a loved one that's on the other side? Anybody? Man, I think about heaven every once in a while. By the way, if you're depressed today, if you're discouraged today, you start thinking about heaven, it'll encourage you. It will. And if it don't, something's drastically wrong. Heaven. Nancy just told me just a few minutes ago, her aunt went to be with the Lord, uh, and she was in the nursing home over in Jackson. Yes, it, it, it's not going to be very long. Yes, are we in basic training now? Keep reading verse 2. Immediately I was in the Spirit. Behold, there was a throne set in heaven. And one sat where? On the throne. One sat where? On the throne. One sat where? Upon. Uh, I'm sorry. Behold, was sitting home. He that sat was to look upon a jasper. Wait a minute. I think I uh, went uh, uh, back to this uh, text right here. On the throne. Now, look again in verse number 3. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper. What's jasper? What color is jasper? Anybody know? It's green. More than likely green. And some even translate that as a diamond. Now, you're going to be absolutely blessed when I talk about heaven right now. John's picturing this. Do you know what heaven's going to be like? The absolute amazement of being in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Look at this, verse 3. And he sat on was look like a jasper and a sardine. Sardis is the word for sardine there. You know what color that is? Reddish brown. Some even say orange color. So you got green, you got orange or reddish brown. Now keep reading. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight like unto an emerald. What's an emerald? An emerald is bright green. 
You get all these wonderful, magnificent, uh, beautiful colors that John is describing. In fact, some suggest it's like the sun when it shines through the clouds and you can almost see a rainbow. Yes, here is a picture of heaven. I didn't write it. God did. Look, we're in basic training now. Keep reading because he says further. Look, verse 4. And round about the throne were who? Four and twenty seats. Who's on these seats? And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Pause right there for a moment. Who are these four and the twenty elders? There are different views of who these four and the twenty elders are. I'll tell you my personal opinion about it. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't change the text of what we're talking about. But I'll tell you this. Here's what the John says. He says he saw this beautiful throne, and on those thrones were four and twenty seats. Upon the seats were four and twenty elders. By the way, the word elder, you know what it is? Presbuteros. 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 And the word elder, presbuteros, as many uh, seem to indicate, it can indicate one, an interpretation, angels perhaps surrounded about the throne. Uh, two, it could be, and uh, uh, the 24 elders could be representative of the 12, uh, of the 12 tribes of Israel, along with the 12 apostles. Uh, some say it could just be the ecclesia of the church, these four and twenty elders. Others say, no, it's just a representative of uh, something around the throne. I personally lean toward the church, the ecclesia at least, as joining in around the throne. At any rate, these four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. Yes, thank God we'll have our wedding garments by then. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. You see that word crown there? The word crown is the word stephanos. It's not the same word as in Revelation 19 where Jesus comes back, remember, riding on a white horse, and on his head are many crowns. The word crowns in Revelation 19 is diadem, whereas this word is stephanos. The picture here, listen to me, the picture is here. After we're saved, how many believe we're saved to serve the Lord? We're saved to serve the Lord and we'll be held accountable one day when we are taken to heaven, whether that be in death or whether that be in the rapture. And you know what? We'll be judged not to go to heaven or go to hell, but we'll be judged how we've used the gifts God's given us. Those spiritual gifts lifted in Romans chapter 12 called those motivational gifts and there's ministry gifts in it. Ephesians chapter 4, even some refer to 1 Corinthians 12, the manifestational gifts. At any rate, these motivational gifts tell me, are you serving the Lord? Some teaching, some serving, some administrating, some giving, some gift of mercy, some exhortation, and uh, uh, some ruling as in uh, that, again, organizational aspect. Yes, some just serving. Bottom line is we'll be held accountable at the judgment seat of Christ. Let me give you the reference. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. Paul wrote and said, So let every one of us appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we may receive in our body what we've done, whether it be good or bad. And that word bad, phalos, means not bad as in uh, uh, as uh, the kind of bad that we think of. Rather, it means uh, 
worthless, useless. We've talked about that before. But you know what we're going to do with these crowns? Y'all listen to me. You know what we're going to do with these crowns? How many want to get to glory because of grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, through his blood alone? It's all by him. And when we get to glory, if the Lord should reward us of some kind of crown, five of them listed in the Bible, runner's crown, watcher's crown, soul winner's crown, and, and the shepherd's crown and crown of life. These are listed. You know what we're going to do with them? If we get any, we'll cast them at the feet of Jesus and say, worthy is the lamb. So what are we talking about? We're talking about are we in basic training right now? And the answer is yes, absolutely. So I want to go back to this. Number, what, what's this picture in heaven? What's this picture in heaven? On the throne. Uh, we've already talked about around the throne. There are, uh, there are before the throne. Let me go ahead and read that, and then I'll come back to the scribe, this beautiful scene. Look over in verse number 5. Look at this, verse 5. And out of the throne proceeded what? Lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. He refers to that earlier in chapter 1. Somebody asked me that. The Holy Spirit of God in his fullness and before the throne, verse 6 reads, there was a sea of glass, a glass sea. Imagine. Like unto crystal and in the midst of the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Pause there. The word beast is the word zoe. The word zoe can have to do with one of two things. It can have to do with a domestic animal or a wild animal, beast. But wait a minute. The word zoe, beast, is not the same word used in Revelation chapter 13, therion, in reference to the Antichrist, the beast. Did you get that? These are two different words. But now John's going to describe these beasts. Follow with me. Look at verse number uh, seven, but before I go to verse seven, notice the last part. Full of eyes before and behind. They're all around. Here's a picture of heaven. The beautiful pictures. What's heaven going to be like? Don't you want to get ready for heaven? Don't you want to be prepared to go to heaven? Don't you want to be uh, prepared on the job training? What's it going to be like when we get the other side? I dare say we're so busy nowadays, we don't even think about stuff like this anymore a until somebody's ready to die. And then we say, well, well, the best is yet to come. Why not think about it now? I believe it'll motivate us to love the Lord and serve the Lord and live godly in Christ Jesus if we think about it now. It'll change our life now. We're in basic training now. We're to live for God now. Keep reading. And verse number uh, 7. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast was like a calf, and the third beast was like a face of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying uh, eagle. And the four beasts had each one of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night. That is, all the time, 24-7. Saying, look, we can hardly handle church once a week, let alone 24-7. Hello. This is going to be all the time, brother. This is going to be all the time, sister. What are they doing? They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and forever. You know who I think about when I read this? Ezekiel. And I think of Isaiah as well. What a wonderful picture of these creatures around the throne. Now I want you to go with me for a moment. Who is on this throne? Who is on this throne? Jesus is standing at the door. 
who is on this throne. I'll tell you, right there in verse number two, says, I was in the spirit and immediately, behold, a throne was set in heaven. One sat on the throne. Who is this? Y'all listen carefully. Matthew talks about him being the king of the Jews. Matthew was very, very concerned about tracing the genealogical, the ancestral lineage of our Lord Jesus to portray him as uh, tied in with David and even Abraham as a Jew. And that's why he defines and describes uh, in chapter 1 his birth. Matthew, yes, uh, describes Jesus coming, offering the kingdom of God. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Matthew records the Jews, by and large, not all, but many, rejected the kingdom. Therefore, the kingdom has been postponed to another time. And that another time is obviously going to be when God opens their eyes and their eyes temporarily have been blinded, but many will believe, Romans chapter 11, verse 25, 26, and they will turn to their Messiah, Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10, Zechariah chapter 3, verse 9, said they'll be saved in a day. Zechariah chapter 13 uh, tells us uh, that uh, many will be saved, and yet Matthew's importantly writing concerning the king of the Jews. However, who is this sitting on the throne? And Mark, remember, is the secretary of Peter. And Mark wants us to see this one sitting on the throne. Not in the light of Matthew's gospel. In fact, many say that Mark's gospel was before Matthew's gospel. And Mark is writing to a Roman audience. Therefore, Mark cuts through the chafe. He gets down to the nitty-gritty. Jesus Christ is the servant of the Lord. He records those miracles one after another after another. Mark portrays him as the servant of the Lord. Tell me, are you a servant? Then Luke the only Gentile out of the gospel writers who also was instrumental in writing the book of Acts, a historian, and from a physician perspective, Luke wants us to see him on the throne as the son of man. But wait a minute. Over there in John, gospel of John, he, he wants to paint Jesus as the evangelist. In John 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. And the Word was made flesh. John 1, verses 1 through 4. John 1, verse 14. He's talking about Jesus, the one on the throne, as God. Not a good man, not a great man, but the God man. Fully God and fully man. Very important in our pluralistic society today. They don't mind talking about God, but just don't mention Jesus. Oh, yes. Uh, chapter number 2. Jesus takes the water and he, he turns that wa wine into water into wine. Something bitter into something sweet. The first miracle recorded in the wedding of Canaan. Isn't that what he did with your life? Yeah. John portrays him in chapter 3. A religious man, a Pharisee, who missed heaven for 18 inches from his head to his heart. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born again? Enter his mother's womb the second time. Verily, verily, I'll send to you. That which is born of the flesh is the flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You must be born again. Verily not. 
Don't, uh, <laughs> hey, you got to be born again. Chapter 4 of the book of John. John's portraying this one sitting on the throne. A woman bound down with sin. She had looked for love in all the wrong places, but she finally found the love of her soul. Jesus said, woman, if you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. And that dear woman who had been married five times, a man she was living with, I say married, she was living with a man, wasn't even married, and Jesus put his finger on her heart because he was the only one that can love us unconditionally. Can I get an amen? Thank you for that. And I want to tell you what, that woman drank that water and she was forever changed. In fact, she was so excited she left her water pot. She ran back to Samaria and said, come and see a man that told me everything about myself. You know what happened? A great revival broke out in Samaria. I went to God, God, do it again. Yes, just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. John chapter 5. John wants us to know this man who's sitting on the throne, this God man, he is a man who can change your life. John chapter 5, a man who is uh, laying at the pool of Bethesda. How long? 38 years. And he was depressed, you know. He was down, you know, like so many people are today. And Jesus said, man, will you be made whole? You see, an impotent man meets an omnipotent man. And when an omnipotent man says, uh, take up your bed and walk, that man was healed instantaneously. John says, I'm talking about the living God here. In chapter 6, John tells us a little lad had a lunch with two fishes, five loaves of bread. You know how many fed? 5,000 besides women and children. I want to tell you, thank God we bring what we got to Jesus. He's able to multiply it over and above. He took up 12 baskets afterwards. Yes, John says he's a miracle worker. John 7, he said, if you're really thirsty, come and drink. He that believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's on the Feast of Tabernacles, by the way. And that's in John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39. I'm sorry, verse 37, 38. And this is what he's talking about, the Holy Spirit. John chapter 8, watch this. A sinful woman self-righteous Pharisees and a sinless Savior. The woman is caught in the act of adultery. She's brought before the Lord. He does not condone her sin. Y'all hear me? He says to that crowd, he is without sin. Let him cast the first stone. Can I tell you, he was the only one worthy, Jesus, to cast a stone, and he didn't do it. And they began to pile out one by another. By the, last, by the way, last time I heard it, I think it takes two to commit adultery. Where's that old boy at? Anyway, hey, here's the deal. Jesus said, woman, where thou accusers, I have none. Lord, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Say it with me. Go and sin no more. Say it with me. Go and sin no more. Call to repentance. John chapter 9, a man's born blind from birth. Is it his sins or his parents? Neither, but for the glory of God. By the way, just call somebody suffering doesn't mean that it's their sin. Hello? Read John 9. Jesus got clay and spittle, put it on his eyes, said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. I love what that blind man said after his eyes were open. Oh, yes, somebody's eyes need to be open today to see Jesus as the Son of God sitting on the throne. That blind man said, all I know is once I was blind and now I can see. I can say that for sure. But John 10, he's the good shepherd. And the wonder, it was David Livingston that ran across that passage in John 10 where Jesus said, other sheep I have which are of this fold. 
soul. Them I also must bring. It was that word that was quickened in the heart of David Livingston. Consequently, he went to Africa and he laid down his life as a missionary to Africa. In fact, we're told his heart was buried in Africa. Even though the lions had ripped his body and his arms dangled by his side and he was infected by 26 uh, terrible infectious diseases, David Livingston finished the course. Why? Because he read that in John 10, John chapter 11. Who is this man? John says, where could I go but to the Lord? John 11. Lazarus had died. Martha and Mary comes out and says, Martha says, if you had been here, our brother had not died. Jesus said, your brother rise again. Martha says, I know he will in the last resurrection. Jesus said, look, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that lives and believes in me shall never die. I want to tell you what. Where could I go but to the Lord when I'm hurting, when I need a friend, when I'm facing an insurmountable mountain? I need somebody to help me. Where could I go but to the Lord when my faith needs to be resurrected? I want to say that again. Anybody today, your faith is waning. Your faith is getting weak. Where could I go but to the Lord when something's standing in the way of real Holy Ghost revival? You can go to the Lord. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Remove the stone. Yes, John, in John chapter 12, he wanted us to know as we see Jesus riding in to the city of Jerusalem, we call it the triumphal entry. Our Lord said this in Luke 19. He said, if you'd have read your Bible, you'd have known this event. He's saying that, and I'm paraphrasing, because that crowd, if they'd have read Daniel, they'd have known the exact date he would come riding in. John chapter 13, he takes a towel and washes the disciples' feet. I tell you, we need some good old feet washing today. Somebody help me. John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Oh, bless the Lord and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Hallelujah. Come, Lord. John 15, he's the living vine we're the branches john 16 he said i'm not gonna leave you alone yeah john wants us to know he's gonna send his holy spirit he'll be with us innocent upon us and guide us into all truth john 17 that's the golden prayer of our lord you know we call it the bottle prayer in matthew 6 but really the prayer is in john 17 jesus prays for himself he prays for disciples he prays for all believers aren't you glad our lord is praying for us today hallelujah john 18 the mock trial john 19 He's the uplifted Savior. John wants us to know. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. That's John chapter 12 and verse 32. But John 20, on the resurrection morning, the third day he rolled around, and the stone couldn't hold him, and the grave couldn't contain him, and Herod couldn't kill him. Oh, thank God, he came up out of the grave and left the grave closed, and Mary ran to the tomb and said, I've just seen Jesus. Have you seen Jesus? John looked down and he believed. John 21, he's the restorer of Peter. I'm talking about the one who's on the throne. We need to see him today. Oh, yes, we do. We need to see him today. A man came to church last Sunday and he told me this. He said, Pastor, he's working with a rehab up in Covington, Georgia. Alcohol, drug abuse, etc." I said, how's it been going? He said, man, it's spiked. We have more people calling now during this time than we've ever had in our whole ministry. What's he saying? He's saying a lot of people are hopeless today. Y'all listen, a lot of people are helpless today. 
If you can just get a hold of Jesus, He can help you. He can save you. He can forgive your sin. I don't care what you've done. He can give you hope in this life. I need a witness in the house of God today. Y'all believe Jesus can help them? Anybody believe Jesus can help them? I believe the Lord can help them. Oh, yes. Does anybody need help today? Will you call upon the Lord today? Why? Because that leads us number three, and we're almost done. And it's this. Not only are we prepared for the Lord to call us home. Number two, are we in basic training now? Number three, and finally, how do you and I need to prepare for the hereafter? Look at chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, and I'll be done in a moment. Look at this. When those beasts, verse 9, see it? Verse 9. When those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and the twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns. The word cast there is the word balo. They cast their stephanage before the Lord, the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Thou hast created all things, and by thy pleasure they are and were created. Tell me, are you want to live a life that pleases the Lord? How many want to live a life that pleases the Lord? You know what I think we can do as we prepare? I believe we can do this, change our address. I don't know about y'all, but I'm checking out of this old house right here one day. I said, I'm checking out. I'm telling you, I'm going to put a for sale sign up. I'm going to put a for sale sign up. One day we're going to have a new body. What can we do? I'll tell you what we can do. We can serve the Lord now. We can make a difference now. We can do what God calls us to do. Will you be ready when the Lord calls you? We're in basic training now. How do you need to prepare here and now? Any unconfessed sin in your life right now? I'll close on this, and I told you I'd be done in just a moment. I'll never forget a man I went to see, lived right around the corner. He was not a Christian, 57 years old, 58 years old. His name, Jim Ford. Anybody remember Jim? It was this time of the year that Jim, I talked with him, stopping by his house. He didn't have time for God. He listened. He was a nice man, but he didn't have time for God at the time. Though he was battling lung cancer and throat cancer, it had already gotten into his throat at that time when I first met him. And Jim, I could see the truth wasn't getting through him, so I, I described what it meant to be saved. I drew a line in the sand. I put a stick there. I put another stick. I said, Jim, here's you and here's me and here's God. There's some way we got to get to God. There's something separates between us and God. What is it? It's sin. It's anything that pleases God. But wait a minute. There's hope. And I drew a cross. I said, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jim, you've got to receive Jesus. You've got to trust in his blood. Forgive your sin. Jim was listening but he wasn't ready at that time just a few months later Jim would come to church for the first time on a June the first Sunday of June I remember Jim sitting right back there in the back gave the invitation here comes Jim down to the altar he had big old glasses Jim probably weighed 75 pounds soaking wet but a super nice young man and Jim pulled his glasses off I could see the tears running down his eyes I said Jim what do you want he said I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready I need to be saved I said all right Jim come down get right down here cry out to God we both got down to the altar he began to cry out to God and I began to cry out to God I knew the Lord was dealing with him I'd been praying and crying out to God for God to save him for his glory. About five minutes later, I said, Jim, Jim. He said, what? I said, did Jesus save you? He said, I don't know. I said, well, keep praying. 
Hey, keep praying. Keep praying. And I knew that if he kept on praying and believed God, it opened his heart and God would quicken life in him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It was about five minutes later, old Jim raised his hand and started praising the Lord. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. I'll never forget that. Later, I baptized Jim. What a blessing. And little I know, five months later, he would be on his deathbed. I went to see him up in Social Circle, Georgia. As he was in hospice care, you'd have to know Jim. He was a humorous young man. I leaned over and looked at him. I didn't know if he'd know who I was. I said, Jim, do you know who I am? He looked up with a big smile on his face, running the race, fixing to check out of this old life. He said, yeah, you're Deborah." <laughs> I said, no, close but not. He was kidding. I was too. Within 24 hours, he was with the Lord. I'm telling you how to get ready, how to get ready. I wonder right now if you're ready for the Lord to call you home. Would you stand right now as all over the house of God and those listening by way of Facebook live streaming, you can right now, no matter where you're at, in your home or here, you can ask God to forgive you and trust in His shed blood. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He will do what He says He'll do. There's many of us right now that maybe have lost sight of heaven. How beautiful heaven's going to be. Let's ask God to prepare us to get ready as we pray, as we sing. You do what God tells you to do right now. Father, thank you, Jesus, for your great love and who you are and what you've done in our lives. Oh, God, prepare us change us and thank you for it thank you for it in Jesus name in Jesus name